Take your copy of God's Word this morning and be turning to 2 Timothy chapter 4. The second epistle to Timothy that Paul wrote and in this epistle... Listen, he's writing to pastors here in the pastoral epistles, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. And it's not surprising that we find this word godliness uh, all over these epistles because that's the responsibility of pastors. We're to instruct you and in, in how to live godly lives, to build your life on that solid rock, that, that faith on which we stands and we should have a desire in our hearts for sound doctrine but I don't know if you realize this or not but everyone who comes to church doesn't necessarily come because their desire is to live godly it's sad to say Uh, why do we go to church it's an honest question we all have to ask ourselves this morning why do we gather do we gather for a wonderful show or for a worship service We have to be honest this morning. What we see plaguing the church in America today, something that's swept across the churches in modern America is this. Many have forgotten their purpose to glorify God and make disciples. They've been entertainment-driven social groups that gather, and they're eager to have an experience, right? They're eager to blend in even with the secular culture. And instead of focusing on biblical discipleship and glorifying God, we are not here for entertainment. We are not here to focus on man. We're focusing on the Lord, authentic, genuine worship. We're not here to see how much we can be like the world. We're distinguished from the world. The church should be distinguished from the theater and from performing arts centers. And because what we're doing is, is not a show. What, what we're doing here is worshiping the one true God who made us and sent his son Jesus to die for us. And, and when the church becomes just like the world and we pattern our services as entertainment venues, then, then we are no different from them. And Spurgeon would say, listen, if you use a circus to bring people into the church, you're going to need a circus to keep them there. And that's what's happened So many have compromised the faith. They've compromised the truth. They've jettisoned even just simply opening the word of God and hearing him speak. I'm so proud of our students on Wednesday night. They have studied the the book of 1 Corinthians. They walked through it over the past past, uh, several months. and, And all they did on Wednesday night was just open the word and let God speak. All 16 chapters there, just reading it straight through 1 Corinthians. It took 57 minutes, but you know what? Allowing God's truth, the whole compass of all that letter that Paul wrote to a troubled church. That's where we are today. And it's a word for us today as well. Listen, God has given us sound doctrine and we should desire it. We should long for it. We should look for it. But let me ask you a question. Why did you come to worship this morning? Why did we gather? Why did you get up and drive across town, maybe from another town, here to this church and past so many other churches that you could have stopped in? Why are you watching online? Why is it that you tune in on the radio to listen to this service? Do you, do you come? Because, listen, I don't want church to be boring. I don't want to be boring in my preaching. I want it to, to, there to be life in it. But, but, but it's the difference between life-changing experience and entertainment. You see, we come because we want to hear God speak. We, we want God to change our lives. He has the words of life. The disciples said, where else can we turn, Jesus? You have the words of life. 
I mean, he is the one true God, amen. We gather as the body of Christ to celebrate and worship the one true God. To read and hear God's word. I mean, what we have right here, the oracles of God that we hold in our hand. To be taught taught the, the principles that we need for life. The truth that I need to govern my life because this world around me is filled with so many lies. To be discipled because I haven't always lived the truth and walked by faith. But, but I've learned, I'm discovering, I'm growing in God's grace. I'm growing in God's mercies new every morning that my life is made different. And this truth that I, I come to hear, it's transformed my life. It's, it's changed things. When, when, it inspires me to be something, to be salt and light. To be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. An agent of kindness that God can use to bring salt and light to this culture around it who frankly needs to hear it. To to be that agent that that stalls and slows the decay of our culture. To realize that if we don't do that, we are the body of Christ. We have the words of hope. We carry it in our hearts. And a world around us desperately needs to hear it. We, We go because of the sound doctrine that's been poured into us, realizing that we have that responsibility to faithfully pass the baton. As it was said of David, that he served the Lord in his generation and then he laid down and died. That's what we're called to do, to faithfully serve the Lord, standing, as Jerry just sang, on the solid rock, sound faith. And praise God, someone shared it with us. We're going to open it to the Word of God here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and read of Paul's charge to Timothy. And it's a charge that applies to any pastor today, but also to the people in the pew. That we realize, listen, there should be a desire in your heart and my heart for sound doctrine. And, and we should be motivated towards that. So I want you to stand as we read God's Word this morning. We all have different reasons for being here, but I do believe our desire ultimately should be for the sound doctrine of the one true God to worship him authentically. Let's hear him speak to us this morning. Now as we go through this, this, just these first five verses, understand that there's nine imperatives here. And, and, and so this is not optional. This is a command that God gives us. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing, at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching why for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be it turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill your ministry. And Father, may that be our heart's desire as we gather today. To build our lives on that solid rock. On the sound doctrine. The words, the wholesome words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And those eyewitnesses who saw him, the apostles who give us principles and precepts to live by. God, help us to have a hunger and a desire for 
a thirst for this sound doctrine, Lord, and to desire it above all things, Lord, knowing that it's the way that we know the one true God. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would guide us as the teacher now. Guide us into all truth and help us to apply what we hear today so that our lives will be made new. This is your day, Lord. Be glad in it, I pray. You be glad in it as we're glad in it, allowing you to speak to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. What is my motivation? What is your motivation? What is our motivation for sound doctrine? Listen, not just me to preach it, not just for me to teach it, but for you to hear it preached, for you to hear it taught. Do we realize there is a divine mandate, a solemn charge that God has given He's the witness. This is before the Lord, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to preach to you the word. We are to teach you the word. We are to herald, to speak forth, to proclaim the words of our king. Our king is a witness to this. He is watching even now everything that transpires in the worship service. When we gather as those who claim to be his people, part of his kingdom, his children, we, we, we realize that he is present among us and it is our desire to hear what he has to say. It's a message that is to be heard. It is a message that is to be heeded and is to be pronounced loud and clear. And because one day we will all stand before him. Me too. And I have to give an account for what I proclaim here from the pulpit. One day he will judge us. He will judge the living and the dead. There's a day when we will all stand before him. For believers, it's the Bema seat of Christ. For anyone who doesn't believe, it's the great white throne of judgment. For those that are believers, we stand before him, all of us, and we will give an account for all that we've done, all that we've done in serving him. Some of it, when it's sifted by, by just his gaze, it will be wood, silver, and precious stones. Things that we've done in the spirit, things that we've done for his glory, things that we've done uh, according to his precepts and principles. But those things that aren't for his glory, those things that, that aren't according to the power of his spirit or according to his word, those things will be burned up. But we'll all be judged and we'll receive our reward as believers. And so when you're preaching and teaching, there's a realization that I have an audience really of one that I'm accountable to. One that I have to answer to. It is a fearful thing. Keeps me up at night sometimes. I don't sleep well. Just because of the weight of realizing I have to bring to you the word of God. Peter would say over in 1 Peter about the spiritual gift of teaching, that we're to do that, teaching and preaching, realizing that, that we have the oracles of God in our hand. Just as Moses came down with those two tablets, the finger of God etching ten letters on those ten tablets, the law of God that was given to his people, in the same way I hold in my hand the word of God. One day I will stand before him and I have to give an account for every word that I have spoken. And my prayer, my desire is that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. But how about you on the listening end? That which you hear him speak, that which you hear him say. We open the word, we hear God speak. The question is also, what did I do with what was proclaimed to me? Because I too will stand before the Lord one day. You too will stand before his presence and receive your reward for your faithfulness in service. And I know my prayer is that you, whether you have ten minas, five minas, or one mina, 
that what God entrusts to you, you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's a sovereign charge. One day he's going to appear and he's going to establish his reign and rule on this earth. And his appearing of his, not only his parousia, but also his kingdom when he comes. He's coming again and there's a day of accountability and a day of celebration because we're going to see him as he is. I want to hear his truth. I want to hear sound doctrine, wholesome words that build me in the faith, grow me in the faith, mature me in the faith, make me more like Jesus. That's what we should desire. Why? Because there's only one thing to declare, and that's sound doctrine. That is what we are responsible to do. Preach the word. If God has spoken, what else is there to say? If God has spoken, what else can I bring you? Preach with conviction. Know this is the truth. It's an imperative. It's not optional. It doesn't matter what season I find myself in. My responsibility is to bring the word of God that speaks to your life no matter what season you may be in. A word that's ready and relevant at all times because an eternal God has spoken. And because an eternal God has spoken... Every century, every generation, this word is real and relevant for you. We don't need some contemporary update to it. What we have is the word of God, and it's alive, and it's ready to speak to us. We preach it convinced that it's true, using it to reprove, to point out sin, to say this is, well, it's not always popular, but it is right in God's eyes. And we call out sin. We preach with conviction because we know that this sin is destructive. This sin will destroy. This sin will ruin lives. And so we convince and we rebuke. That rebuke is a a reproof. It's a reminder that, you know what? I'm not living in a way that honors the Lord. I'm exposed. So many people talk about expositional preaching, taking the word of God and and allowing the word to speak. But what that exposition is, is not only hearing God speak, but it exposes my heart. The word of God, it's living, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, It pierces, it divides, it cuts even us. And it cuts us wide open. And it helps us to realize he's God and we're not. And we're desperately in need of his grace and of his mercy because we are sinners. Not just we have committed sins, but, but, but even in our essence of who we are, we are a sinner. And if I don't hear what God has to say, then, then, I, then I cannot be healed. And even in, the, even in the rebuke, the warning that comes, the, the reproof that comes, there's, there's a recognition, there's an appeal. Listen, while there's time, come, come to his side. I know, sadly, so many preachers sometimes have, have been in that rebuking aspect of just calling out sin, just bashing the sheep, just smash, smashing them. It's kind of like when you go to, go to Chuck E. Cheese, right? And you play that game, whack-a-mole. Do you remember that one? The little mole heads come up in all those holes and you get your tickets by the more that you bash on those little moles, right? And you just sit there and try and bash them all. Some pastoring, some preaching is just like that. Rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. Whack a sinner, I call it. There's a balance here. He says not just rebuke, but also exhort. The picture is, listen, there's one who comes alongside and says, no, 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 this is the right way. Yes, that's wrong, but, but this is the right way. Go and experience God's grace and mercy. Grow in that. Don't, don't remain where you are. 
exhorting, appealing, reminding, listen, I'm just like you. I'm no better. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, and I desperately need this word. I'm comforted to know that, that his is a throne of grace. His is a throne of mercy. And those mercies are new every morning. Not just here to step on toes, but, but that's the responsibility we have as well. But to say, no, listen, there's one who can set the broken bones so that they can heal. It requires compassion. It requires long-suffering, realizing that it's going to take great patience we don't always respond immediately. God's sheep don't always respond immediately. That doesn't mean we stop saying what is true. It doesn't mean that we stop calling out what is sin. We, we must remind you. It's our responsibility to do that. And, and your responsibility is to receive that. As we do that in love, realizing, listen, listen, we know that, that God is gracious and merciful. And, 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 and he's abounding in that to us, if we'll but call on him. Knowing the power of the gospel to change our lives, to bring things that are dead to life. And that's what we want to experience. But we declare this because it's all solid teaching. We, we bring and lay precept on precept. Principle among principle. Using the, the, the analogy of the faith, using all of scripture to, to instruct us, to guide us. That, that is our system of belief. What God has said Sound biblical theology. All real preaching, if it's really good preaching, is going to be the explanation and the application of what God says. And so when the word of God comes, the question before me is, as I've heard God speak, what am I instructed to do? Because everything that God says, you have two choices. You can either believe it or reject it. You can either obey it or be in rebellion to it. But God speaks. And this is the power of the word of God. This command, these imperatives, the way Paul speaks to Timothy, it's built on what scripture is. If you look back up in, in chapter 3, verse 16, you see all scripture is God breathe. Just as you and I have words to speak one to another. That doesn't happen unless breath, wind goes across our vocal cords. In the same way, listen, God spoke the Holy Spirit. Peter would tell us over in, in 2 Peter chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit born men along who wrote the word of God. And the picture, the word illustration he has there is they were like ships with sails. And the word of God was like the wind that put wind in the, in the sails and moved them, inspired them to write every single word. Every single word. All of scripture is inspired, God breathed, God has spoken. And because it's God breathed, it is inerrant, there is no error in it, it is infallible, it will not lead you in the wrong way. You can bank everything on what God has said. That word, because it is what gets spoken by God, it is to be proclaimed as though it's the oracle of God, it is the word of God. There is authority when God speaks. This isn't up for debate. It's not op open to your opinion. God speaks. And that settles it. Amen. Whether you believe it or not. God has spoken. And what he says is this. This word that he speaks, it's profitable for us. What else would I preach to you? I must bring you that which would be a, of profit. Listen, not to your bank account, but to your soul. It's something that profits you in life. It helps you to be all that God 
intends for you to be as his child, as his glory bearer, as one who reflects and radiates the glorious presence of God in your life. And and this word, it's profitable because what it does is it gives us doctrine. In other words, listen, the word of God, listen, that we've jettisoned in our culture today, it gives us a plumb line. It comes from one authority, God himself. And that plumb line cuts through every human heart. And when it cuts through every human heart, that plumb line says, this is right and this is wrong. This is truth and this is a lie. Now you stop and think what happens when we cut the plumb line and we say, I don't want to hear what God has to say. No one can make a sense out of what's right and wrong today. We can't even discern a truth from a lie and a lie from a truth any longer. Why? Because you cut the plumb line. But that's what scripture is. And you wave that, you erase that from kids' minds and don't pour that into their hearts. And no longer do they have a plumb line to grow up with, with what is right and what is wrong and how to live their lives. You see, it's, that's what Scripture is. That's why we proclaim it. That's why we teach it this way. It's profitable not just for doctrine, but also for reproof. In other words, that plumb line that comes from God right into my heart, the Word of God, when He speaks to me, it says, listen, this is right and this is wrong. You're on the wrong side. If you're on the wrong side, God reproves you. He says, listen, don't be on that side. That's not the side to believe in. That's not the side to live by. it's how it happens in our life that God, the law, exposes sin. It reveals. That's the, the law is not made for the godly, Paul would tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's made for the ungodly. It's made for, for sinners. It's made to expose us, to help us to realize we're not right. It reproves us. It exposes sin. If you say, listen... Don't be one who says, well, I, I've never sinned. I, I mean, I'm a good moral person. Listen, you, you, we invite you anytime to help us serve in the nursery. Because we have loads of empirical evidence that there's not a baby that's been born that isn't selfish and screams to get its own way. And especially as toddlers that learn, we've not found a single one yet that knows absolutely all the time what it means to be good. They have to be taught that. And if you haven't had that experience, wonderful experience of raising children, that's more empirical evidence, right? Every human heart realizes this. Listen, we need to be reproved because we're on the wrong side and we need to be corrected. And that's the reproof that comes. Now think of the value of this. This God gives us a plumb line and he says, this is when you're on the wrong side. It's just like when some of you go to the doctor and you go for that biopsy. And the doctor uses that biopsy and he says, here's the plumb line by which I can determine what's going on in your body. And he takes that plumb line and, 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 and I'm grateful they have those tests and things that they run so they can figure this stuff out. But, but when you go there, do you, when you go back for the follow-up, do you want him to say, well, you're fine if you're not fine? No. I want him to tell me the truth. I want him to say, listen, this is the plumb line, the test we ran. This is why we ran it. This is what would be good. These are the numbers that came back that aren't good. And this is where we got to dig more. This is where we got to investigate more. What the word of God does, listen, it's a scalpel. It's not there to bludgeon us. 
The word of God is there. It's a scalpel. And in the divine physician's hand, what that scalpel is able to do is, listen, is if there's sin in my life, it's able to say, we need to remove this right here. He puts his finger on it. The spirit of God convicts us. And if you and I are willing to allow him to operate on us, then the spirit of God can take that scalpel and he can take the word of God and he began to say, listen, we're going to cut this out right here. This is not walking by faith. This is not living in obedience to me. And I'm going to remove this. Here's the amazing thing. That same spirit, he brings a salve. A salve to bring healing. It's grace and it's mercy. And it's principles of God's word. Which then enable that, that body to grow back together. That our hearts to grow back together. In a way that we were designed for. That God intended all along. And Adam and Eve began us on this path. Where we choose the wrong side. Scripture, listen, it's the plumb line. It, 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 it provides reproof. It corrects us. Praise God, it tells us, listen, you're on the wrong side. And then, by the way, get on the right side. Get over on this side. Don't stay over here living this way. But get on the right side. This is the side of blessing. This is the God, sign of God's favor. This is how the shepherd wants to guide you and, and, and direct you. This is the green grass. These are the still waters. This is where he wants to shepherd you. It doesn't matter what God's correcting us, whether it's our, our, our living as husband and bride together, whether it's our parenting. Listen, whether students, it's how we relate to our parents and respecting them as God's authority in our life. It doesn't matter, listen, the activity that we have in our life, the way we relate socially one to another, the words we speak, the way we use our money. All these principles and precepts are found in God's word. And God's spirit will take the plumb line, say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. If you're on the wrong side, get over on the right side. That's what preaching, this is why we reprove, why we correct, why we instruct with long-suffering and patience. And then realizing this, the value of now being on the right side, God's showing me how to live. How to live the right way. And then the word of God brings us instruction in righteousness. It says this is the right path. What would you expect the shepherd to lead you in? I mean, he leads us by to green grass and still waters. He restores our soul. He guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In fact, that song that they sang from Psalm 118, uh, verse 24, just a few verses before that, it says, you will open up the path of righteousness for me and the righteous will walk therein. That's what God wants to do. Where do we get that precept? Where do we get that principle? Where do I get that guidance? Day by day, I need the light of God's word to instruct me, to help me to discern the world in which I live, which is full of lies and full of darkness. I need the illuminating truth of God's word to direct my steps and orient my steps. That's what the word of God is, Psalm 119, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. It shows me the steps my feet need to take as a lamp along a direction, a path I need to go. You're looking for direction. I don't know what next step to take, Pastor. The Word of God is there, and the Spirit of God is present for believers to help us to apply this truth in our life so we go in the right direction. That will not happen if you don't listen to the Word. That will not happen if I don't listen to sound doctrine. And the scary thing is, I'm going to declare that to you week in and week out. Pastor Scott's going to do that with students. We're going to sing that in worshipful music with Pastor Paulie. And we're going to do this faithfully any other pastor who comes here. That's what you're praying for earnestly for God to give us. But also realize this, you have a responsibility to apply it. We cannot force you to do it. I'm always worried about what what God said to David when he repented and David wrote a song. 
After he repented and he cried out to God, and God's word to him was, listen, don't be like one who needs a, a bridle in a bit. Don't be like one who has to have that, like a horse down, bit in his mouth to pull them to go the right way. Don't be like an animal like that. Have a willful heart, a heart that wants to obey what God says. I've found the truth. I've found the pearl of great price. I've found everything I need right here. And build your life on it. And, and then go in that way. Here's why. Because there's going to be a defection from that. There's going to be a defection from that. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I underline that in my Bible. I underline this itching ears. I underline this in verse 4. They will turn away their ears from the truth. Sound doctrine, wholesome words, truth, the faith. All these different words are used of what God has given us and what's been faithfully passed along to us from the apostles and, and this solid truth that men will reject and, and they'll withdraw from it in order that they might embrace and welcome false teaching. Turning away from solid truth so they can listen to fables, senseless stories that men tell. You see that today where many churches have become entertainment services that are provided for the people with a TED talk at the end. Rather than an exposition, exposition of the word of God. Walking through, hearing God speak, precept on precept, principle on principle. And it's all why. They willingly do this. They consciously do this. They turn away. Because they don't want the truth. Why? Because that plumb line, they want to be their own God. And to find what's right and wrong in their life. And the sad thing is that that will not redeem them. And so they gather teachers. They, they even find those, listen, that'll itch their ears, right? That, that'll tickle their ears. That'll tell them what they want to hear. They'll heap up teachers like this. They'll, they'll tune in, they'll, they'll go to those services, they'll, they'll gather there. Why? Because they don't tell them any hard things. I mean, listen, there's sometimes just, you know, one of the things you can do with your children sometimes as they listen to sermons is write down, you know, the text that's going to be preached. Just write down five key words that are going to be proclaimed from the text and just have them put a little hash mark every time they hear one of those words. And then write the word sin and salvation beside it and see how many times the pastor, listen, not just myself, but anyone you hear on the radio, anyone you hear online, anyone you hear on the TV. And just mark how many times they say the word sin and find out how often it's not said. Listen, beloved, this, this gospel is written because we're in a dark place. We, we have rebelled against the creator. We have sinned against a glorious and a holy and a mighty God. And we have to repent. We have to turn. But you will not do that if you reject the truth. Because that is the message. You find all throughout scripture, I mean, when Jesus burst on the scene, what was the message he came with? Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's what John the Baptist, his message was. Repent. It's what the message of the Old Testament prophets was. Repent. Shove. Turn. It's what Lady Wisdom is speaking at the top of every tower, at every entry point, every crossway. Proverbs chapter 1. She's speaking time and again, time and again, time and again to those who are passing by. Listen. Turn to me. Turn to me. Turn to me while there's time. But they laugh. They mock, they turn away. And she, at the end, will 
laugh at their calamity when it comes upon them, it says at the end of Proverbs 1. You see, even though there's going to be this defection, you need to be aware of it. Paul told Timothy, listen, the time's going to come when this has happened. I mean, he has said it in the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1. Listen, in the, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. You'll be able to identify it. Do people love themselves? Oh my goodness, look around us. Do people love money? Yes, they can't get enough. they got to have billions now, right? There'll be boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, ungrateful, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's the culture in which we live. It was in Paul's day as well. It's been indicative of every culture. But in the last days, it will get even worse. And the scary thing is they, they have a form of godliness, but no power. There's no power because there's no word. The word of God and the spirit of God bring the power into a believer's life. The spirit is the one who applies that word in your life, in my life. It's what renews my mind. It transforms me. I put off old ways and old bad ways of thinking because I didn't think about God or the principles and precepts that he gave me. And now I renew my mind. I say, spirit of God, help me to apply the truth the pastor has taught me today that I've heard in in, in your word today. And help me to apply that truth so that my life can be changed so many pastors and churches have sold their birthright for a bowl of warm porridge and what's happened is they've compromised the truth and they no longer want to bring the truth because it's offensive i mean our own our own convention now we fought in the 80s for the sufficiency of scripture this is the word of god we fought for this being the word of god and now we are walking away from it being sufficient for everything we need We're embarrassed by what it says in some ways. What's even scarier is even our own convention wrestling with this simple question about can a woman be a pastor? I mean, the confusion that's in our culture in Southern Baptist life, that's never been an issue. But now it's a huge issue. It'll be the defining issue in in June at the convention. And and here's why this is critical. I mean, how can you be a one-woman man? As Paul says to Timothy, as a pastor... If you're a woman, you can't be. I mean, it's that simple, right? Evidently not. Evidently, here's why that's significant. Does it matter the one who teaches me whether I have the right teacher? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And see, this is why it's significant even in our day and age. It's not just capitulation there on that cultural issue. We see it on homosexuality or now called, we have to relabel it because we don't want to call it that anymore. It's just same-sex attraction. Because that's easier, it's more palatable to to us. And the sad thing is, either we are new creatures in Christ and those desires are taken away and we're new creatures with new desires or else redemption hasn't taken place. Something happens, a change takes place. And what you see is this, we've lost the plumb line. We've cut it. Church, this is what I am responsible to proclaim. It's what our pastors are responsible to teach and preach faithfully each and every week. Your prayer for us should be, man, let them bring it straight. Step on my toes. Oh, I'm sorry if that hurts my feelings. That's okay. I need to hear truth. Because truth is what transforms my life. As we do this, 
As pastors, we have to be steadfast in this. Sometimes you'll have to be watchful in all things because, man, the culture is rapidly changing. And it's crazy how the devil just repackages things and sends them out there, deceiving and, and leading people astray. Being steadfast, even in afflictions, even in hardships, even in difficulties. Because not everyone's wanting to hear this. You realize that? Whew. If you don't realize that, just walk a day in my shoes, okay? They don't always want to hear it. Winning souls because we realize, listen, that's what an evangelist does. It goes and it seeks those who are lost. It brings the gospel because it's the power of God to bring salvation to Jew and Gentile. To bring it to anyone whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Their life can be changed. There's not a person that I see out there in the community or someone that when we're ministering to them, bringing good news to them, that we don't believe, you know what? God can change that heart if they'll repent and believe. God's reaching. The Spirit is convicting. He's doing His part and we're supposed to do our part. And our part is to be the mouthpiece, to speak and to bring forth the Word of God and just be faithful to fulfill his calling i earnestly need you to pray for all of your pastoral staff that this is who we will be that we will not compromise god's truth that we will stand fast even when it's not politically correct in our culture we will stand on god's truth we will speak god's truth in love we will rebuke we will exhort we will with long suffering patience work and point this is the way. Walk in it. Because, beloved, we got nothing else to say. Hey, if God hasn't spoken, shut the book. Let's go home. But if he has, then what's your responsibility? I know what mine is. My mind, my mind is to tell you he's spoken. And your responsibility is to respond accordingly. That means, you know what? We resolve in our heart, God has spoken, and I must obey him. And I want to obey him. I have found truth that can change my life. Have you found it? Because that truth is tied up with one. His name is Jesus. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And the invitation today is if you've never come to him, to say, you know what, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And I need my life to be made new.